Amen. Amen. All right. We got a little bit of a fun Sunday plan. So listen, if you're a parent, don't feel the pressure to make your kids be quiet. All right. So we uh, we got plastic chairs and we got concrete floor. And I don't know if you noticed, but there was a horrible stench when you walked in. We don't know what it's from. So if your kids pass gas, it's fine. If you do, it's fine. Just saying. Just saying. We're family here. We're family here. We don't even know. I do think that I've figured out that it's coming from this corner. Somewhere in this corner. Because if you go behind that screen, it smells about three times as bad. So, not really sure. But we're going to worship Jesus anyway. Amen. All right. Three of you are. It's great. It's all right. You're all going to leave me hanging today. I'm going to preach to the kids. I'm going to preach to the kids today. All right. Let's see. I've got a couple props here that I need. And kids, get ready, because in just a minute, I'm going to need you. All right? I'm going to need two of you. So if you're horrified of coming up front, uh, you should hide in just a couple minutes. But uh, if you got a Bible, go to Colossians chapter 3. We've been in a series called King Jesus. We've been talking about a lot of different stuff, and we're in week number 6. And we brought the kids in today because we're talking about moms, we're talking about dads, we're talking about kids, all right? And uh, what I love about that is even if you find yourself in a totally different scenario today, uh, if you're single or if you are divorced or whatever, wherever you find yourself today, one of the beauties of a passage like this is uh, you still fit into this somewhere. You're either a child of God, the bride of Christ. Uh, you, you have a place in this passage. And it's really remarkable that when we go back and we look at the things that are so foundational, because these truths are so simple, so simple, but yet when we look underneath them, uh, so many of life's issues come out of us not being doers of the word in these areas. It's really remarkable that the peace inside of your home could come from some of these so simple things. If you're a single today, that you would, when you look for a spouse, that you would look for these simple things. I'll never forget when I was dating um, Camden in college and my dad said two things that hopefully she would, the way God has set things up is that parallels the church. You can go into a church and pretty quickly see if it's the men or the women who have to shoulder the burden. And when you look at a passage like this, you see what God set up from the very beginning. And if you're a kid in the room, where my where the kids at? Let me hear you. Where the kids at? Through. They're like, is he talking to me? But God has a special word for you, and you have a special job, a special role, a special assignment in your house. And God specifically talks to you guys. And so 
Uh, all of those things are fascinating. But as I look around the world that you and I find ourselves in today, can we just admit that we live in volatile times? We live in volatile times. I was just looking at stuff this week, and it just seems like people are always ready to fight. That nobody wants to listen. Everybody's got an opinion. And so, some of that is social media and just being able to have information at the push of a button. And some of it is just social media unearthing what's always been in our heart. I don't think that uh, the uh, scope of humanity, if I could say it that way, was any better a thousand years ago. They just didn't have a way to broadcast their sinfulness to everybody within seconds around the world. And they just didn't have a platform like we do. But we walk on eggshells and we worry about people getting offended and we don't like to share our opinion. What will our relationships look like if we act like Jesus? I titled my sermon today, The New Me. That's what we've been studying about for weeks. That there's this new me, but then when the rubber hits the road, the new me has to act like he. Can you say that, kids? The new me acts like he. Who's he? Sunday school answer. Jesus. Nailed it. Right? Every answer today, if you're between five and ten, the answer is Jesus. All right? I'll give you a clue on that. But as we get started, one of the things that when you think about the day and age that we live in, that is really fundamentally important is the authority structure that God set up. And I need some kids' help on this one. I need some kids' help. All you got to do is hold an umbrella. Who wants to help me? I saw Houston's hand. What's your, what's your name again? Zachary. Come on up here. Houston and Zachary. Now listen, we don't mess around here at Redeemer City Church. These umbrellas are giant. Like when you open this, like the air conditioner might blow you away. Bam. All right. Step down here on the black, the black pad. All right. You guys hold that for me. Might take you both. It's a big one. All right. Now, there is a general principle in Scripture that they are illustrating right now. All right, I want to talk about that for just a couple minutes. They're blowing away. I got another one. Do two more kids want to help? Two more kids want to help? Malachi wants to help. And Maddox, come on. My boys. My boys. He's like, Dad, pick me. That never happens. Will you open that up for him? Putting Pastor Jake to work. All right, you guys come over here. All right, now, this is an adult lesson, by the way. All right, don't get lost from the children. They just understand things faster than we do. All right? You know you know what Jesus said. Don't push the kids away. Let them come. Let them come. All right. Hey, listen, I know you're brothers. No fighting on stage. All right? Don't you know about faking it right yet? All right? But, uh, so, I'm going to ask some obvious questions, all right, that the kids will know the answers to. But I need to know if the adults know the answers, too. Do you think the adults are going to know the answers? No. Max, it's not believing you. Do you think the adults are going to know the answers? Not at all. Houston's not a believer in you adults. But um, 
Let's ask some obvious questions. Kids, what does an umbrella do for you? It blocks you from what? Rain. Rain. Nailed it. All right. What happens if it's pouring rain? Pastor Jake, I need you to help me. I need you to get up there. What happens if it's raining and we take these away from you and set them over here? Soaking wet. Is that a difficult concept to figure out? No, no, no. That's an easy concept to figure out. All right, so let's hold your umbrellas again. All right, so when you are under the umbrella, you are safe from the elements, right? Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Yes. All right. Now, let's just talk about a real simple parallel here. God has set up some structure in his world. He has set up some structure in his home, in your home. And when you follow the structure that God set up, the rain can't get you. But what happens in life when you step outside of, he's like, no, let me have it. When you step outside of God's structure, when you say no to God's structure, you're left open to the attacks of the devil. God has put some things in place. Let's give these kids a hand. They did a great job. You guys can have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Whoa, easy. (laughs) Listen to this general principle. All right, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you get under what God has put over you, he will put you over what he wants to be under you. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. When you get under what God has put over you, he will put you over what he wants to be under you. You tracking with me? The kids understood that. All right? Because they live in it at your house. (laughs) They understand the look. Right? But God's done that in the family. God's done that in your home. And God has always worked through authority. Think think about the, the track of Scripture. That he has always worked through authority. And here's what I want to talk about today is that authority is not for your persecution, but it's for your protection. Authority is not for your persecution. It's for your protection. And depending on your personality in here, authority is either a dirty word or it's a helpful word. And there's probably a lot of thoughts about that. But I want to I look at what God said. What God said. Because our opinions really don't matter because our hearts are deceitfully wicked above all things, the Bible says. And just as a disclaimer, as your pastor, I don't write the mail, I just deliver the mail. You know what I'm saying? But go to Colossians chapter 3 and let's start in verse 17. This is where we left off last week. It says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
And then Paul launches into this structure of the home. Listen to what he says in verse 18. Wives, here comes the dirty, the dirty Christian cuss word, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And here comes, kids, you know this verse? Children, obey your parents in how much? Can you read that screen? Children, obey your parents in... Wait, how much? Just a few, just a f- everything. Do you do that at home? <laughs> he's, uh, he's like, he's like... Sometimes. Well, that's not everything, bro. All right. In everything. But listen to this, guys. Listen to this. If you're a kid in the room, listen to this. Here's what's so great about this verse. See what it says? Children, obey your parents and everything. But listen to what it says. It doesn't say because it makes mom and dad happy. I'm working on this, by the way. What does it say? It says, for this pleases the Lord. So you've got, if you're a kid today, you've got a special assignment that you're to obey your mom and dad in everything, not for any arbitrary or useless reason, but because it pleases God. What an awesome thing that even when you're five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten, that you can do special things that please God. And it starts by obeying your parents. But he starts with the moms. He starts with the wives. If you're a wife in the room or if you are a hopeful wife in the room or wherever you fall on that, uh, he comes and he gives you a specific role in your home. And I want to talk about the obvious things of that role, but then I want to talk about what that role doesn't say. Okay? So first of all, he says, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Submit here. Uh, in Greek, in that original language, is is real specific. It's not anything outside of this. Here's what it says. To willingly arrange yourself under. That's what that word submit means. To willingly arrange yourself under. In other words, it's not some dictatorship that your husband gets to demand. It's a responsibility he gets to trust God under. So even though you are willingly arranging yourself under, he is willingly arranging himself under. So the umbrella that starts at the top is God. And as we say in the Coon home, God is the boss. God is daddy's boss. And daddy is whose boss? He's saying mine, right? And so... But what that does, what that structure does, is it brings everybody back in line with what God said, not what anyone under the umbrella said. And if we step outside of that, we start to have problems. Okay? And so, it's a leadership mantle. It's a leadership mantle. And by the way, just as a parenthesis in this conversation, when men don't step up and lead the way God has intended them to lead... God doesn't sit back and say, no, he raises up people like Deborah. He raises up people like Lydia and people like uh, Eunice and Lois 
to raise uh, godly men when men won't, okay, and to lead men like Deborah did. So, so let's not let's just put in context when God says that you're to submit to your husband. Uh, there, there is a whole lot in Scripture around that concept. So submission can't just mean uh, a few things that uh, we're silent about. It has to be bigger than that. Key to this principle, though, is the willingness. Is the willingness. That the wife would willingly and lovingly offer it again. I love how these scriptures keep coming back to having nothing to do with pleasing your spouse. What does it say? It says, as fitting in the Lord. As fitting in the Lord. In other words, it's worship to the Lord. It's worship to the Lord. It's not worship to your husband. It's not just meeting your husband's needs. It's worshiping the Lord. And also, some misnomers from religion gone past, is it doesn't say to all men. The Bible never tells you as a wife to submit to any other man other than your husband. So the idea that you would do anything outside of your husband's uh, leadership and some other man's leadership is foreign to the Bible. Now, you might get indirect principles that come from the pulpit or like a Bible study or a city group, but your husband's job is to lead you, and your job is to submit to him and his leadership because he's the one going before God, and he's the one, as we'll see in a second, called to lay his life down for you. The others aren't doing that. And so, very important part of the Scripture. So a couple of things that submission doesn't mean. That submission doesn't mean. It doesn't mean silence. And here's what I love about this. Uh, as the church, you're the bride of Christ. So uh, when you are looking at your role as a wife, you can look at the role that God has given the church. And so what submission doesn't mean when you look at all of Scripture is it doesn't mean silence. God never calls his church to be silent. And in Scripture, he's not calling women to be silent. There's one verse in the pastoral epistles that talks about women being silent in the church. And if you do enough cultural background on that, it seems that there was one specific instance in that church where women were causing a problem. And I know that's hard to believe. The guys are laughing. That's wrong of you. It doesn't mean to be silent. The, the word submission says nothing and means nothing about not sharing your opinion. It doesn't. And, and let's go a step farther. If you're better at something than your husband in the home, you should probably do it. Or you're going to lose some money, right? Or you're going to lose whatever. What, what submission is, is not um, silence. You, you go to Proverbs 31 and you see... The women working hard. You see the woman raising family like a boss, right? She's burning the midnight oil. That's where that comes from. She's supporting her husband's business and then giving him the credit. Don't miss that detail in Proverbs 31 where she goes to the city gates and does things for his business. And then he stands in front of everybody and looks good, right? Can I get an amen from the husbands who've got that going on in their life, right? So uh, when we unpack 
what submission is. It's a relational principle within your home. Where you're submitting to his leadership that God gave him and that he's taking seriously before the Lord. Because it says, as is fitting in the Lord. What if he's not pursuing the Lord? Things become a lot more nuanced and a lot more interesting. And so, it's not saying be silent. It's also not saying worthless. I think there's been religion gone past that women have been demoted to a worthless place. But God certainly doesn't believe his church is worthless, and he chose to look at her as a bride, as a wife. He died for it, and then he sent it on mission. And so the wife is not worthless. It's a valuable spot. It also doesn't mean to hide at home and contribute nothing. No. The Bible says if God for us, who can be against us? And he sends the church on mission. When you look at Proverbs 31, you look at this woman who is on a mission. And what I know about this church is we have a lot of women who are on a mission. And we love that and we celebrate that because God does. And God has tapped women on the shoulder throughout all of Scripture and throughout history to do incredible things. And so when we come to a scripture like this and we see that wives submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord, we have to keep in our mind what that doesn't mean. It comes back to this relational dynamic of a structure that God set up for the home that will be uh, protection for your home. Does that make sense? And so, ladies, share your opinions. All right? But I like the way Camden says it a lot. She says, share your opinion, and then just pray about it. (laughs) And ask God to change his mind. And uh, a lot of times he does. A lot of times he does. So, uh, God loves women. Let's not forget that. And then husbands. uh, here, Here is where the ladies find their value in being able to submit to you. What's it say? It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Real simple. Real simple, but a real game changer. So the new you that has been described over the past six weeks, past five weeks, that new you can be totally worth submitting to. Can be totally worth submitting to. Think, think about throughout Scripture where we're told to submit to Jesus, to become his slave willingly. This translation of the word uh, doulos in English to the English bondservant is, falls way too short of the mark. It's the word slave. And what Scripture calls us to over and over and over again is to, as the bride of Christ, willingly submit as God's slave. Why would we ever do such a thing? Because there's no better decision than that. For those of us that are walking with the Lord, we understand that becoming a slave of God is the best decision we have ever made. And let's shoot for that as husbands. Let's shoot for that as husbands. We want to be looking at Jesus so we can be the best picture of Jesus that we can be. And when we're not, when we fall short because we're going to, let's admit it. Let's call it what it is. And let's change. Let's change. God has a lot of grace for men today that are willing to give their all to their wives and kids. Calling sin a sin and moving forward in the power of the Holy Spirit.
So Paul, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us as husbands three words here. He says, love your wives. That word love means to be pleased with, to be well pleased with, to be content in, to be satisfied by. I love the way Proverbs says it in chapter 5, verse 18. It says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. And then I put in my notes, dot, 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 because there's some other stuff it tells you to do. But your kids are here, so we can't talk about it. And then after the dot, 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 you can go read Proverbs 5.18 on your own. And we'll talk about that next week. (laughs) Then it says, after the dot, 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 it says, always be intoxicated in her love. What an awesome scripture. Let's be real, guys. It's amazing that she picked you in the first place. Right? Amen? I should hear a lot more amens than that. If you're married or engaged or hope to be someday, you better she's a good hearty amen. Think about that. Think about the times in your life, guys, have you ever experienced real satisfaction? Like where you were truly satisfied by something. You know, and the easy examples are are the real simple ones, like if you were starving and you ate your favorite meal, or if you were in the Florida heat and had a glass of water. That idea of being refreshed and satisfied and not needing more is how God wants you to see your wife. To love her, to be intoxicated. Listen to this. Listen to this carefully. To be intoxicated with your wife is to have your thoughts controlled by her beauty, by her intellect, and by her love for Jesus. If those things are intoxicating your thought life, you will be faithful. Love your wife. Be well pleased with her. Be content in her. And be satisfied by her. And then he tells us not to be harsh. He gives us this relational principle. Harsh means to leave a bitter taste, to be angry with, to be irritated by, to resent them. How do you beat that? Because when you when you start adding jobs around, it's like so much sin. Sin here, sin there, sin over there. Oh, there's sin behind me. Right? Oh, I've created all of this. It's my fault. And... Then God comes and says, husbands, don't be harsh. Why? Because when you see properly your sin before God, there's grace to be given. What if God the Father didn't see us in love and grace? We'd be in a bad spot. We'd be destined for hell. And so... We don't have to be harsh. Can I give you just a practical suggestion, husbands? To stay in a zone where you don't feel harsh with your wife. And I'm working on this. Working on this. Date your wife. Date your wife. Whether you've been married for five days or 50 years or wherever you fall, pursue her. Find the fun in that again. Pursue her. And by the way, you have a certain event on Wednesday. It'd be a great start to do that, guys. It's Valentine's Day. <clears throat> so if you haven't done anything, uh, Wednesday, it's coming. Are you tracking with me, guys? I'm trying to be subtle. All right. And then he gives us a, another another mantle, guys. 
And uh, where are the kids at? Are the kids still alive? I know you slept while I talked to mom and dad. That's okay. Nap time's okay. Amen? All the dads are like, yeah. But then, dads, he gives us a relational principle with our kids. He says, don't provoke your kids. It just means to stir them up, especially to anger and frustration. In the same way that we're not to be harsh with our wives, uh, we're not to be harsh in provoking our kids. And as I dug into that, you know, you know what it, you know what I, I hear the Holy Spirit saying through that, because they're kids, right? I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that. Like I had to think about that all this week. <laughs> it's just a kid, just a kid, gonna act like a kid. Right, it's kind of like you know we've all been at the been at a restaurant and watched a, a a dad hand a glass of ice water to their kid and it slips out of their hand and then the kid bring you and he's covering your life and if we step outside of that what do you what's going to happen? We're going to get hit by the elements, right? And probably every one of us this week can look back at a time I'm tall enough not poke the ceiling. <laughs> we can all look back this week and just think about the times where we were under. The structure God set up. And when we were out of the structure, it's really that simple. That when God gets the first word, and dad, you're faithful to carry that out, most things go pretty good. We're not perfect. We're going to fall. God has a lot of grace for your family. God loves your family more than you do. And so as you think about that, uh, just remember that God's given you that mantle to carry. And it's a good mantle. And God is with you. And then God talks to the kids. Are you ready, kids? God talks to the kids next. Where the kids? All the all the kids. I want all the kids down front. Come on, come on, come on, man. Come on, you can do it. Come on down. Come on down. All right. Malachi's coming. All right, so God's got one word for kids. He's got one word for kids. He says, children, obey your parents. What's God's one word for kids? That's more than one word. What is God's one word? Obey your parents. Just, just one word. Obey your parents. <laughs> You're saying three words. Obey. Obey. Right. Can you guys spell yet? I don't even know how old you people are. Can you spell? Spell it. O-B-E-Y. Perfect. All right. When I was your age, I went to this thing called Sunday school. How many of you know about Sunday school? Can I get an amen? Look at all these hands. Next week, Sunday school. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. All right. E-N-C-E, yes, sir, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Now you spell it. E-D-I-E-N-C-E, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Come on, that's really good, right? God has, my kids are like, stop right now. <laughs> but listen, God's just got one word for you. Obey. Okay? And here's why that's so important. 
because it pleases God. You have a really important role in your family to obey your parents and everything because it pleases God. That's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. So you can go sit with your parents. And uh, God speaks to kids. Yeah, good job. But let me say let me say one more thing to the kids. Let me say one more thing to the kids. All right. It's all right. It's empty. <laughs> hey, look, look at me. Look at me. If you're a kid, look at me. 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 Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. All right. What's so important about that is you guys have the opportunity to play more if you'll just obey. Right? I mean, let, this is what God's really trying to tell you. If you'll obey, I'm just trying to help some some parents in here. If you'll obey, what, put that Bible verse back up there, the one that says, children obey your parents. Look at it, look at it, it says, in everything. If you'll just do that, we'll get off your back. We'll leave you alone. You can live your life, all right? You don't even have to do it for us. You can do it for God, all right? And it's amazing when each of us, Knows our role. Right? God set up this structure where God's the boss and he sends it through dad. And then mom does everything. <laughs> and it's his institution. And it's what he wants for your life. And it's amazing. It's amazing that when it all falls under his authority structure, his authority, his word, and when we stick to that, um, man, God can do some incredible things in your family. And uh, we're going we're gonna to mess that up, and we can give grace to each other. Kids give grace to their parents. Parents give grace to their kids. Husbands and wives date each other and give grace to each other. It can be an amazing thing.